I know a lot of pastors are preaching out of the Gospels today. I think you all know what happened on Easter Sunday, right? Um, the women appeared at the tomb before dark to anoint the body of Jesus. And uh, guess what? <laughs> Jesus wasn't there. And uh, they went and got Peter. Peter and John had a foot race. And uh, John won that foot race. It's even recorded in the scripture. But he waited till Peter got there. Peter looked in the tomb and saw all the, all the grave clothes just lying there. Jesus had been resurrected during the night. And the three ladies. First time in the Bible you'll read about women preachers. <laughs> it was the three ladies that went out and started announcing to everyone, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We know that story, but what I want to ask you today is how does that story affect us? And that's why I want us to turn to the writing of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians because he addresses this. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you have been in a discussion or a conversation, maybe even what you would call a debate with somebody, where they were determined to get the last word. Ever been there? Sure, we all have. Man, maybe some of you, you know, had that conversation with your spouse this morning. A friend once told me, you know, Jerry, when I get married, I made it clear to my wife that in any disagreement, I'm going to have the last word. So about five years into his marriage, I asked him, hey, how's that working for you? He said, I found out what the last word is. It's yes, yes, dear. Yes, dear. That's, that's the last word in the marriage, you know. But we all like to get the last word in. Because we kind of think that it means that we've won the battle or the war. But it usually means absolutely nothing of the sort. I don't know why we always feel we need to get the last word in. But often the last word gets us. We live in a world, we live in a culture that thinks it has gotten the last word. But I'm here to tell you that it's not true. Because today's Easter. It's Resurrection Day. Today's the day we celebrate the fact that almost 2,000 years ago today, our Lord and Savior did something that no one had ever done before. After dying this violent, terrible death on a cruel Roman cross, he was laid in this dark, cold grave. And all of his enemies at that moment thought they had gotten the last word. That's that. We got rid of him. The religious people of the day thought, oh, good, we don't have that rebel rouser. We can go back to our old, normal, traditional ways of worshiping God. But, you know, nothing could have been farther than their truth. Because we know on that third day, that stone <laughs> securing his tomb was rolled away. And Jesus Christ of Nazareth was alive and well. He emerged victorious. Not even the power of death could keep him in bondage. And that's why we're here today, right? Not to honor a dead man. We're not here to honor a dead man or to remember some kind of good teacher. We're here to worship the resurrected Christ, 
the living son of God, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the one that's still taking guys like Tyler and transforming their life. Man, Easter morning is proof that all those things that we thought had the last word in our lives don't have the last word at all. And it's all because of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Paul knew that. Paul wrote about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? Now, the entire chapter, Paul's talking about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus. We're not going to read the entire chapter. I want to begin reading with verse number 19 today and read through verse 26. Paul writes, If only for this life... We have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die... So in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who inspired the writing of the word of God. I pray that that spirit will now take these words on paper and make them alive in our heart, that no matter what we might be facing today, those in this building, those watching online, Whatever they're facing, may they know it does not have the last word in their life because Jesus is alive. It's in his name we pray and we rejoice this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I always like to talk a little bit about the context of any portion of Scripture. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's dealing with the resurrection because in this particular culture, in the ancient world, most of the people believed in this pseudo-spiritual type of afterlife. We don't have it in our culture. It was very prevalent in Paul's day where our disembered souls would live on a different plane. But in their view, it had no connection with the life that you experienced here on planet Earth. It was just another realm of existence. As again, as a pseudo-spiritual kind of belief. And that kind of thinking in the culture of the day, unfortunately, crept into the church of the day. That's still happening today in 2022. We have to be careful that the things that are embraced by our culture don't come and infiltrate our understanding of God. So there's some, in fact, quite a few during Paul's day that did not believe in the possibility of a bodily resurrection. 
They believe your soul could go to this different place of existence, but it was disconnected from your body. And Paul is saying here, no, that's not how it happened. That's why Paul emphasizes how Christ physically, physically rose from the grave. On Friday, his body was dead. <laughs> he wasn't asleep. He wasn't in a coma. He was deceased. And on Sunday, that same body became alive again in a resurrected form. It wasn't like a ghost. It wasn't like a spiritual body. We're not talking about an illusion here, friends. We're talking about his physical body that still bore the wounds of his crucifixion. A physical body that actually made a fire and cooked some fish and made breakfast for his disciples. It was a body that could be seen, a body that could be touched. Because when Thomas said, Lord, I, it's hard for me to believe. Can I just touch your wounds? Jesus said, yeah, you sure can. See, Jesus wants you to believe in him. So don't criticize Thomas for wanting to touch his wounds. Jesus honored that. Jesus will honor your questions as well. He's not offended by your questions. He wants to help instill in you the faith necessary to believe in his resurrection. This was a body that walked on the streets, ate fish, a physical body. But it was more than just a, 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 an earthly body. It was a resurrected body. It didn't have the same properties as our earthly body because it is made alive by the Spirit of God, a body that will never experience death again. And Paul said Christ was the very first person to experience that miraculous resurrection. But here's the good news. Paul says if you and I place our faith in Christ, if we follow him, we also will be made alive by him and we will be resurrected and we will have a body that will never experience death. Paul said Christ was the first to experience it. But the physical resurrection that we celebrate today is a foundational doctrine, friends, in the Christian's life because what it means. It means, first of all, Jesus was who he claimed to be. He claimed to be the way, the truth, the life. He claimed to be the only way to God the Father, and he proved it. By overcoming death. There's no other religious leader that has ever done that. Here's something I want you to remember. If you're taking notes, mark it down. There is nothing in this world whose power is greater than the power of Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. Not even death could hold Jesus down. And when you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it will change your perspective about everything, about the world around you, about your own death, about the meaning of your existence, about how you perceive things day to day. Because the resurrection changes everything. Because the resurrection, friends, changes the final word. 
Maybe there's things in your life right now and you think, oh man, this is it. It's got the final word. It does not have the final word if you will place your faith in the resurrected Savior of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about three last words, I guess, that aren't really the last words at all because of the resurrection. The first is Easter. This resurrection celebration means that our troubles don't have the last word. If we were totally transparent and honest with one another, and if I said, if you're experiencing any kind of troubles in your life right now, raise your hand. I think every one of us could raise our hand. Because we live in a sinful life. This world is, is stained with sin. We all have troubles of one kind or the other. And Paul said it this way in verse number 19. He said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied. Now, why would he say that? He's not saying here that there's not going to be good things in this life because there's a lot of good things in this life. He's not saying that we're not going to have reason for joy or happiness or fulfillment here on earth. He's not saying that if we don't experience the answers to prayer and see the miracles that we desire or receive the blessings, that it's all futile. But he's saying that acknowledging this life of following Jesus can be tough. It's easy to receive the gift of salvation Man, you have got to be strong to actually be a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, take up your cross and follow him. The Bible says that you will have to deny yourself. And we don't like doing that. If you are serious about following Jesus, there's a price to be paid. Sometimes we don't tell people that. And they get disillusioned. But you will have struggles in this life. And you'll have struggles, a Christ follower, that others simply don't have. Because if you're just floating downstream with the current of the culture, there's no opposition. But you and I, as Christ followers, have not only placed our faith in Christ, we've agreed that we will abide by biblical standards which are laughed at by the world, mocked by the world. Others don't impose these standards on themselves, but we do because we've denied ourselves and we're following Jesus and we're trusting he knows what's best for our life. So Paul is saying that living the Christian life involves an investment now that does not fully pay off until we enter eternal life. And for that reason, we make a number of almost counterintuitive choices every day of our life because we live with an eternal perspective. We live with the perspective of eternity, of the kingdom of God. See, listen, a true Christ follower will forgive even when you feel like seeking revenge. A true Christ follower turns the other cheek when we really want to fight back. <laughs> we give to those in need 
when instead we could spend that money on ourselves. We sacrifice for the good of other people instead of fighting for our own rights and looking out for ourselves. That's a tough calling. We take a stand for what's right, for what's godly, for what's righteous, when we could just be quiet and blend in with the crowd. But we do those things because we're making an investment in eternity. If there's no eternity, Paul is saying, why make those decisions that are going to make your life more difficult? That's what he means by that scripture. So we all go through struggles and toil and turmoil and pain. And we all need to remind ourselves, man, these troubles might be troubling, but they don't get the last word. Jesus gets the last word. Even when life is at its very worst for you, you can face each day, friends, knowing this world isn't all there is and this world does not have a final say on anything. Jesus got the last word on Easter morning 2,000 years ago. That's why we celebrate. And whatever trouble you're facing now, it will not get the last word if you place your faith in the resurrected Savior. Number two, Easter also means that sin doesn't get the last word. There's a difference between trouble and sin. Now, Paul wrote in verses 21 and 22 of our, of our scripture here. Uh, let me read it to you again. 21 and 22. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, in essence, reversed the curse that Adam brought on the human race through his disobedience in the garden. We sang about that. We heard about that. He reversed the curse. Now, don't just blame it on Adam because the fact is we've all sinned. Adam was the first, but Isaiah chapter 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. Romans 10 says there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's a human dilemma that every one of us have. We've all sinned. We've all been broken by sin and the consequences of our sin. Every life bears the evidence of that brokenness. There's not very many people, there's a few, but there's not very many people who would deny that they've sinned. Because they know it. The evidence is all around them. Consequences of that sin. And they would agree, yes, like sheep, I've gone astray, and that includes me. But I only read half that verse. It goes on, Isaiah 53, all like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to its own way, semicolon, Here's the other half. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We heard that. The man of sorrows. The Lord hath laid on him the sins of us all. So not even sin has the last word in our life. Jesus does through his resurrected power. 
See, when Jesus was dying alone on the cross, all the sins that have ever been committed, your sins, my sins, sins of everyone who's ever lived, they were placed on him. Whatever price those sins deserved, Jesus bore that day. Any power those sins may have had in our life died that day. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. Oh, yes, he was talking about his earthly mission where he lived here 33 years. Yes, he was talking about the fact that he knew his earthly body was about to die. But really, he was speaking in the spiritual realm. It's finished. You know what that phrase means? If you do a little investigative work into the original language, that phrase really means paid in full. <laughs> paid in full. That's why we sing that beautiful song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. And there's some here today and there's some listening online for whom sin has made a wreck of your life. It did in Tyler Garcia's life. That was his testimony. Maybe you've left behind a trail of damaged relationships, of pain, of failures, of broken promises. Maybe sin has long wrecked havoc in your life. But I want you to know that Easter means that sin does not get the last word in your life. Hallelujah. Troubles do not get the last word. Sin does not get the last word. That's exactly why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming at him, remember what he said? He said, behold, it's the Lamb of God. And here's the way he described the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Through his death on the cross, Jesus destroyed the penalty of our sin. Right? But it's through his resurrection that he destroyed the power of sin. So we've been set free from the penalty of sin, but we've also been set free from the power of sin. Man, that means that if your sin has tormented you, you can be set free. <laughs> Number three, Easter means that no enemy will ever get the last word. No trouble. Troubles are just, they're kind of neutral. We just have troubles. Sometimes it's nobody's fault. We just have troubles. Then there's the sin issue. That's our fault. We've sinned. So we bring it on ourselves. But the third point is that no enemy. So nobody else can get the last word in your life. That's why Paul said Jesus will destroy every rule every authority, every power. Verse 25 says he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Now, who are his enemies? Be careful. Who are his enemies? It's not the Muslims. 
It's not the Hindus. It's not the right-wing extremists, and it's not the Democrats. Because God loves all people. God created every person on the planet in his image. Now, they might not be walking in fellowship with God. I understand that. But they're still part of the image of God in them. For God so loved not just the white American, but God so loved the world. The world. And he's not talking about the planet Earth there. He's talking about all 8 billion people that exist on planet Earth now and all who ever have lived here and all who ever will live here. When you read enemies, be careful. People are not God's enemies. He loves people. He died for people that all of us might be saved. You know what his enemies are? His enemies, his real enemies of this fallen world. Sin, evil, corruption, greed, fear, sickness, disease, pain, misery, jealousy, violence, abuse, hate, and all those things are being orchestrated by our true enemy, Satan himself, because we are in a spiritual battle. Satan will do anything he can to destroy us. Yet God is always on our side. And if we will allow him to, God will always have the final word. Every ugly thing that you can think of, those are the things that are the enemy. And eventually, the Bible says, Paul says specifically, every last enemy will be destroyed by his death. And to some people, that's what they fear the most is death. <laughs> Causes a lot of angst for a lot of people. It makes us feel alone and afraid and helpless and vulnerable. And the Bible says death that last final enemy will also be destroyed. So to those without faith, man, life on earth appears to be not much more than a sequence of these random events leading to some kind of a eventual, ultimate, futile journey to the grave. And the fact is, and let's not pretend otherwise, we're all headed to the cemetery if Jesus doesn't come back and take his church unto himself, his second coming. But that's the good news for us who realize that not even death has the final say. Our journey doesn't end there. <laughs> for a Christian, the graveyard is not your final destination because death, along with every other enemy we face, everything else is ugly and evil. Those things do not get the final word. Jesus gets the final word even over death because through the power of the resurrection, he's conquered it all. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to the word of the Lord. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man 
the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. <laughs> Some of us have seen really up close the destruction cancer can cause to a loved one. Some of us have seen up close the confusion that Alzheimer's can bring into a person's life. Some of us have seen up close the destruction that crimes we've committed can do. But friends, whatever it is, remember, it does not represent this final chapter of the book. Now, if you haven't read the book, here's a spoiler alert. Just so happens I have read the end of the book. Listen, he shall wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither there shall be any mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have passed away. Jesus wins. Jesus has won. The death of Jesus Christ is worth celebrating because it gives you the assurance, the steadfast assurance that whatever you're facing today, whether it's troubles, sin, or something caused by the enemy, that does not have to have the last word in your life. Because our promise is when this life is over, a better life begins. A resurrected life. A life of eternal peace and joy in the presence of God. Here's your takeaway today. Jesus gets the last word. Say it with me. Jesus gets the last word. Say it again. Jesus gets the last word. The question for you today is who will have the last word in your life? <laughs> if you accept Christ, if you allow him not only to forgive your sin and remove that guilt from the past, but if you allow him to be the center of your life, to guide your life, to be the king, not just the Lord, but the king, if you'll allow Jesus to be the ruler of your life, I guarantee you that the resurrection of Christ will have the final word in your life as well. And I'd encourage you, receive today, friends, that salvation. It's a free gift. You don't have to sign a card. You don't have to say some kind of a fancy prayer. You just have to open up your heart. Say, Jesus... Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you destroy my enemies? Will you give me the strength to walk forward in that resurrection power? A new life is ours today because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to live in fear of things that life brings your way. Trials and tribulations don't get the last word. Sin does not get the last word. The final enemy... Death itself doesn't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. Hallelujah. Stand with me, shall you? Father, I thank you for this congregation of people who have gathered today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And I thank you for those who are watching online. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will just take a moment right now 
and really evaluate where we are in our spiritual journey. Lord, we've heard the gospel, and now it's up to us to respond. It's up to us, Lord, to receive that gift of salvation where our life can be turned around. We can be set free. We can be given the power of the Holy Spirit to walk victoriously. We can find healing for our bodies. We can find wisdom for our confusion. Lord, I thank you that nothing we face on this earth has the final word. You have the final word because of the resurrection power that you displayed on that Easter morning that we celebrate today. Hallelujah.